I have one major goal in life is to get my picture on the front page of the Christian Chronicle, all right? <laughs> the Church of Christ periodical. And, or at least not far from there. And so tonight I want you to know, well, this is pretty far back there, actually. Let's see where it is. I think, is this, you're in this one? Yeah, I was going to say, you better be in this one. I'm going to look stupid. Am I actually in it? Yeah, are you in it? There it is, right here. So here, here's, this is like, uh, no, I'm not going to say that. Uh, this is in, in the, the center of, uh, of the Christian Chronicle. <laughs> I thought, the centerfold, that's just not right. Centerfold picture is our, our very own, our very own. So this right here is our very own Nathan Holland. Uh, and his wife, Amoyo. And so he must be a big deal if he got in the Christian Chronicles. So uh, we saw that and we said, we need to fly him over here and have him teach for a few Wednesday nights. And thank you thank you for your um, playing musical rooms with us. <laughs> you never know what room we're going to be in. Uh, auditorium here. We almost moved to the cafeteria night, but we opted for this room and as I told you last week I started a class last week and then I said more important than me doing that class is Nathan teaching when he's here and so he's here and he's feeling well and so um, Nathan and his wife um, are serving as missionaries primarily in Angola Africa and they have two uh, Don and Kathy's grandchildren uh, Phoebe and Anna I'm telling you they're incredibly adorable little girls and it's a God's story these girls are if, if you've been following their story so I don't want to take a lot of Nathan's time I uh, just want to say our elders years ago said really what we need to be about is what Jesus wants us to be about and that's making disciples of all nations and so Nathan's uh, title that his fluid title is ever-changing is something like um, everything I ever learned about evangelism and making disciples from from my African friends. African friends, yes. Yeah, yeah, so, like um, so that's right in line. That's right in line with our with uh, what Jesus called us to be. And so we're so thankful you could do that. Let's have a prayer, and we'll let Nathan get started. Father, we thank you so much for uh, just the blessing of being together and the fellowship that we have, and the encouragement that we receive and that we can give tonight. And it was a blessing to have Moyo and Nathan and their family here. We thank you for the incredible work that you're doing in their lives, and we uh, thank you for Nathan's willingness to let us just hang out with him and uh, let him share with us what you're, uh, how you're shaping and forming him in the ministry where he works. So, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, thank you, Nathan. Well, good evening. Um, it's so great to be here. Um, there's... Let's see. Who already knows me? All right, let's let's try it the other way. Who doesn't know me? Hasn't met me before? <laughs> okay. So yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Nathan Holland, as as Eddie introduced. Uh, I've been uh, in Angola for going on twelve years now. Um, and some of that time has been in Namibia as well, but, uh, but my heart has been in Angola for, for a long time, even before that. Uh, and, um, years ago when my teammate Danny and I, we decided that we wanted to be missionaries in Angola, we thought, you know, we, well, we knew we didn't have all the answers, but we thought maybe we had something to, to... Uh, maybe teach somebody or whatever and I don't know I, I just don't feel like we've uh, in our 12 years there there hasn't been uh, like so much of what we thought we were gonna do was basically irrelevant and uh, God just had so much bigger plans than what we could ever imagine and one of the things that has been really exciting in the last, I would say, three or so years is to see, and I, I'm not talking just about Angolans, but Angolans 
and other Africans that I've been interacting with over the past several years just getting really excited about making disciples. And I mean excited and serious about making disciples. When we went to Angola, our our vision was that we wanted to start a, a disciple-making movement. But I, I can't say we were very successful. Um, and I think part of that's just because we are not, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> we are not Angolans. Uh, we are not, at, we're outsiders. We don't have um, necessarily the same, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like insight into the culture and, you know, things like that. And, uh, but God has been, has been moving, uh, especially in Southern and Southern Africa and West Africa in the past few years. And so what I'm going to teach, I have never taught before. Yet I have heard numerous Africans teaching what I intend to teach over the next four weeks. Um, this week and three more. Um, and so I don't think I'm going to be able to be as animated or as charismatic as my African friends who do it. Um, but that's probably okay because you guys aren't like that either. <laughs> so, um, so basically what I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do here is take what I've learned from them and, and my attempt is to try and apply it in this context. Um, I wish we had more time. I wish we had like four weekends or something like that, as opposed to just four <laughs> one-hour slots, but uh, four one-hour classes. But um, if you do get the Christian Chronicle, does anybody not get the Christian Chronicle? You should sign up for it. It's it's a really really incredible. It's it's just a newspaper. But it tells all about what's going on uh, among churches of Christ all around the world, um, as well as in the U.S. So we were fortunate not only to have <laughs> the centerfold, but we got four whole pages, um, the whole the whole center section uh, is talking. And this was last month's issue. Uh, there's a new one that you might be getting right around now. This was last month, um, but it talks all about our ministry in Angola as well as other Portuguese-speaking countries, um, and um, a lot of it is about a conference that I put together uh, with Africans. Well, let's just say there were people from all over. We had 12 nations represented. Uh, we had 93 participants from all over Angola and 11 other nations. Um, and the focus was on this discipleship uh, teaching that I'm going to introduce you to. I'm not going to be able to do all of it. But has anyone ever heard of Four Fields before? Four Fields. <laughs> but the, the, the few of those who have talked to me more often. Um, so uh, this is a, a very informal, very simple, very basic, uh, but biblical and uh, practical application of, you know, we, we talk about we need to make disciples, we need to evangelize. This is, these are the tools, this is how you can actually do it. So there are numerous tools, uh, and there are numerous versions of the four fields um, that use different tools. But um, the ones that most of my African friends use have 12 tools. I'm not going to be able to do all 12, but I'm going to pick a few of them. Um, and we will, uh, I'll share them with you, and uh, I've got some notepads that I'll pass out later. There will be some sort of group kind of interaction work that we'll do a little bit. But um, to get started, um, okay, so I grew up 
well, I usually claim that I grew up in Colorado. I grew up in several places, but uh, the the place that I most like to claim is, you know, when people ask me where I'm from, I like to say Colorado. <laughs> now that my parents are back here, I feel a little more like, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so I, I grew up a big part of my childhood uh, at this church, in this building. This spot right here was not here. This is probably where we played basketball or something like that, maybe football. Um, but, um, you know, so it, it's, it's interesting to see how the church has changed over time. Um, so... I don't really want to dwell in the past, but but I'm I'm curious. Like I feel like there were a lot more people back then that were part of Eastside. Is that true for those of you that talk in like late '80s, early '90s? Yeah. <laughs> how how many members do you think? In the low four hundreds. Yeah. Low four hundreds. Okay. Where where would we be now? Maybe. Middle two hundreds. And I, in eighty six, we averaged six hundred ninety eight. Oh wow, eighty six. So that was before my time. And shortly after we left, there was a big split uh, that some of you guys might know about and remember. Uh, it happened. Uh, we we moved away, but we were still we we came back quite often, and uh, it it impacted me a lot because. I came back to a totally different church. Um, we, we moved to Albuquerque, and every time we came back, it was it just wasn't the same church anymore. And we're just talking over the course of a few months. Um, okay, but I don't want to really dwell in the past, but, but we can admit that at least as an Eastside Church of Christ, we're not where we were before, right? And it would be nice to get where we were before. Um... You know, I don't know if that's what God's plan is for Eastside. I would like to think it is, but um, okay. Let's let's start with what my African colleagues call brutal facts. Uh, no, my handwriting is horrible. Okay, brutal facts. So, in the first three hundred years of the Christian church. We grew from, um, I say we as if like I were part of it, but <laughs> uh, from basically a movement of just, you know, the, the disciples, apostles in the upper room to by the time of Constantine, uh, about 10% of the population of the Roman Empire at that time was Christian. At that time, to be a Christian was um, not uh, was not the popular thing to do. It was not the it was not the easy thing to do. If you were a Christian, it was you really had to have strong convictions um, because many Christians were killed. Um, by um, the Roman Empire and um, so today we're getting to a point where uh, so I'm not going to use like real statistics that are based on like I, this is not a you know I'm not writing a paper on this or whatever so I'm going to make up stuff that's about right okay like, <laughs> but somewhere between uh, I think we're hovering around 30% of the population is kind of claims to be Christian. But when you're talking about like people who um, are uh, just real disciples, you know, we're not talking about a lot of people in, in America, really anywhere in the world. There's... Um, uh, like 
ten percent that 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 same ten percent that you had in the three hundreds before Constantine. Uh, like I don't, I'm not sure that we have that today. Uh, but we're we we've kind of sort of stagnated at that ten percent level. So that means that there is probably somewhere around ninety percent of the population of a given place that is people who are far from God, people who do not have a relationship with Jesus, who are not disciples of Christ. Um, I mean, th does that seem about right to? I mean, obviously, it's going to vary from place. This is Colorado Springs, you know, like the mecca of evangelicalism for the United States. <clears throat> but I was reading some articles that saying that in spite of that, like church attendance is about the same as a lot of other parts of the country, you know. So it hasn't necessarily meant that we're like, a whole lot more uh, dedicated or whatever here. Um, okay, so Colorado Springs is 500,000. Is that about right? Okay, so I don't do math. You can ask my mom or dad. They will confirm that I do not do math. So I'm going to ask other people to do the math for me. So if 90% of Colorado Springs is far from God, how many people is that? 450,000. Okay, 450,000 people in Colorado Springs, like this is not scientific survey type material, but people who are far from God who don't know Jesus, right? Does that sound about right? I mean, we could make it smaller, but okay. So if we wanted to reach 10% of that population, I, I can do that. That's, that's 45,000. <laughs> okay, so 45,000 people. If we wanted to reach 10% of the lost people in Colorado Springs, we would have to reach 45,000 people. Are we ready to do that? <laughs> have we done that? Okay, so let's see. Then if we were to... Uh, okay. Let's just say that the average, I, I read somewhere, and I don't know how accurate this is, but there's probably about 400 <coughs> to 500 churches in Colorado Springs. Does that seem yeah. about right? Okay, so if there, let's just say there's 400 churches in Colorado Springs, um, and there's 500,000 people. Um, like how many, well, let, me, let me do this another way. The average church usually is around between 100 to 150 people. You know, obviously you've got big mega churches and you've got a lot of tiny little churches. But let's just use 100 as an average because that's easier for the math. Um, Okay, so if we wanted to have churches to reach the 45,000 people, how many churches would we have to plant? 450? So we need 450 new churches to reach 10% of the population of Colorado Springs. Um, or we could take our 450 churches we have and double every one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's let's just do sort of a 
Okay, I'm not trying to be sectarian here, but let's just talk in terms of churches of Christ, not because we've got some sort of corner on the gospel, but you know that that's who we are. So let's let's say that as churches of Christ in Colorado Springs, as if you know maybe some of the other churches would cooperate with us. I don't know, but um, that we decided as churches of Christ, we want to reach 10% of the population of Colorado Springs. That's what the early church did. It took them 300 years to do it. Um, I think now you math people might tell me I'm completely wrong here, but I think that that's about uh, 30 to 40% growth starting from almost nothing uh, per year to be able to get to uh, the there were in, in the Roman Empire there were about 60,000 no was it yeah 60,000 people they estimate in the Roman Empire and for so 10% of that wait is that that's not right 600,000 600,000 and so 60,000 Christians in the Roman Empire before Constantine. I, th I think that's right. You, you guys have phones. You can look up and check my statistics. Inside. The statistics are not that important. The, the general concept is what I'm trying to get at here. Um, so it, it took the early church 300 years to get to, the, to that level. So we're not talking about something that's going to happen overnight. But considering our track record, how long would it take for us to get to that point? Okay, so granted, okay, let, let's, let's just, sticking with Churches of Christ, and you guys are going to have to help me here because I don't know the, the details. Um, when I was a kid... You know, we were probably around 400 plus people here. Then there was a split, and it went down to was it about half? Okay, so down to 200. But we didn't necessarily like most of the people that left Eastside. They didn't <coughs> lose their faith. They just didn't like that we didn't have a Lord's Supper table on the front. And that the people were walking from the back and all kinds of what I thought were silly things at the time. Um, I'm sure there were other things as well, but those are just some of the conversations I remember. Um, well, just consider the church plant. <laughs> so, but but in, but in a sense, there there were a couple church plants that came out of that split. Okay. So we're not necessarily talking about going from 400 down to 200 and losing all of those other people. There are other churches that are a result of uh, that unfortunate splant or multiple splant uh, that happened at that time. Um, so you guys are going to have to help me. from the early 90s until now in Churches of Christ have we grown as a movement? No. no. Have we plateaued? No. We're going down. So then how many years is it going to take for us to reach <laughs> if we're doing what we've been doing how are we going to reach 10%? How are we going to reach 1%? of the population. It's not going to happen. Something needs to change. Remember, this is not me preaching. This is my African friends. I'm just saying what they've been saying. <laughs> so I'm just relaying to you what they've... I've, I've been listening to the, the, the this conference that we did. That's uh, this, this is part of what, what it was about. So any ideas? What can we do? How do we reverse this trend? 
Any thoughts? Have more disciples. More disciples? I think that's the key. Disciples who make disciples. That's what we've been missing out on for a long time. We, we were doing it, just talking about Churches of Christ, um, not necessarily in Colorado Springs, but we, we kind of had our, our heyday in the, I don't know, the 50s, up into the 60s, 70s, 70s, even into the 70s, 70s, yeah. We, I don't know, we, we, we had some sort of something that people were, were uh, what do they say, people were buying what we were selling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think the gospel is the problem. <laughs> we're doing something. Now, maybe, maybe we're doing the same thing that we did before. And it's just not working anymore. That's, I think that's in too. Because it used to be knock on the doors. Mm-hmm. And then you bring somebody else and listen to the Jewel Miller. Jewel Miller film strips. That's how Tanaga. Mm-hmm. Or OBS. I'm sorry, for OBS. I have no idea what that is. Open Bible study. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And we don't do that. People are too insular, maybe. You don't knock on somebody's door. Mm-hmm. You don't um, necessarily uh, stand on the street corner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In years past, sometimes that worked. Yeah. Our cultures changed very much so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very much so. In in Africa, a lot of people say, "Well, we used to grow a lot because of World Bible School." Yeah. Who who did World Bible School at any point in there? Mm-hmm. I love World Bible School. I'll I'll tell you, I'm still a big fan of World Bible School. But it's not the same thing it was 20 years ago. And it, it has had to evolve. Um, it's uh, A friend of mine has hundreds of Angolan students on World Bible School, but they do everything on their phone. It's all on the phone. <laughs> the, the paper, you know... In Angola, we don't have a mail system. It just doesn't exist. And so there's no way to have... Well, and then you've got the other problem of, you know, most of the teachers are in America and they speak English. And uh, most of them are quite old nowadays. Um, and we've we've lost a lot of World Bible School teachers over the years to... Death. <laughs> so your language is Portuguese mostly. Oh yeah, every, every we do everything in Portuguese. So, so the Bible studies that are going through are they being translated on the phone? Uh, no. So we, uh, I was actually the in 2019. Okay, during the there, during the time when I was here with Umoyo when she was doing. Her um, uh, getting her citizenship. citizenship. Yeah, she's American, by the way. Yay! Yay. <laughs> it's been a while now, but uh, I think that all happened since the last time she was here, though. Um, yeah. So we we were here for about eight months, and during that time, I oversaw the project uh, that World Bible School of uh, translating. It into Portuguese, um, and so now there is there there was World Bible School in Portuguese before, but it was some of the older material, and so we had to bring it up to date um, with the newer newer material. Um, yeah, uh, my my friend Tim Brumfield has hundreds of students in Angola, Mozambique, Guinea-Bissau. Um, I think. Mostly those three countries, but um, you know, so things change, culture changes, times change. Um, um, so if if we had more time, I, I don't think it's really worth 
Uh, do, you, do you guys kind of get what I was trying to do here? Okay, so if, if we're going to have to plant 450 churches to reach, that was what, 10% of the population, we would have to have about 450 churches to accommodate those people. Um, you know, what if we just tried for 1%? That's still 45 churches that need to be planted because, uh, sorry? 4.5. 4.5? Well, this, this is 10%. Oh, that's 10, okay. Yeah, this is 10%. So if we were wanting to reach 1%, that would still be 45, right? Am I right? I, I'm horrible at math. No, you're right. You know, uh, I, usually if I can just remove a zero, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. But anything more complicated than that, you can ask my dad. He used to help me with my math uh, homework. And I would wake up at like four in the morning to start doing my math work. I, I was homeschooled for most of high school. And I would wake up at like four in the morning so that I could do all of my math homework and ask my dad questions before I went to work in the morning because he was the only one who could explain it to me and then I would understand it for about 10 minutes <laughs> yeah uh, my wife's a math person though <clears throat> sorry I I was allergic to New Mexico or something um, I've got still got something in my throat um, Okay, so basically we just need to look forward. We can't really look at the past. We've done a pretty horrible job in the past 20 years as a movement. I'm not going to just point fingers at East Side necessarily. Um, but as a movement, as Churches of Christ, we at some point we plateaued. And now we are on the the downhill. We're we're not just plateauing. Interestingly, the Christian churches, our instrumental cousins, uh, are growing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Quite a few. That's true. Now in Angola. Would they consider themselves Church of Christ? That's a whole other class topic. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to talk yeah. to you about all but about I, that. Yeah, but I'm just wondering where they stood. Uh, in I know they're growing. I know Africa is getting to be one of the most. Uh, Let me give you the simple answer. There are two types of Churches of Christ in Angola. There's the ones that were there before we arrived that invited <laughs> us and we work very closely with them and they have no historical connection to churches of Christ anywhere else in the world they are an indigenous Angolan movement of churches and we have an incredible uh, I would say healthy partnership working with them um, they send their uh, pastors to come study uh, with us any pastor who wants to be ordained has to study at our theological institute um, and uh, they help us with all the legal bureaucracy and stuff like that that we need to be able to live and work in Angola there are also Angolans who for whatever reason uh, well because of the war ended up in other countries and in other countries somehow made contact with other churches of Christ more like we would think of churches of Christ and have returned and it has been a struggle to get these two groups to to work together yeah uh, this conference that we did in June was a huge huge step in that direction because uh, everyone was participating and involved in that so uh, that's that's the short answer um, but 
yeah, I mean, we, we have the same issue in in Angola. I would say the Church of Christ is is not a rapidly growing movement of churches in Angola. Um, it is in some places. Ghana is seeing tremendous growth. But, like, if you read this article, it starts off, um, let's see. So the beginning of this, the, the article, it's called Africa Needs Disciples, Not Converts. I think that's a key right there. So that's, that's what Eric Trigestad, who wrote this article, that's what he pulled out from this conference. Uh, but it, the article starts out, Churches of Christ in Accra, Ghana are growing at such a rate that their members will account for 10% of the city's population in 1,273 1, years. But that means that they are actually growing. They're actually growing at a rate that, I guess, as long as the population doesn't change, which obviously it, it would in that amount of time. But if, if they were to continue at the rate that they are going in 1,273 years, they will have reached 10% of the population in 2023, which is probably nowhere near you know, at that point will be a much larger population, unless some sort of catastrophe, which very well could happen. But, um, yeah, so um, I, I don't want to do all the talking here. Uh, so if anyone has questions or, you know, has thoughts, but yeah, so part of it is like, I just thought this might be something good to talk about. We're in a in a tough spot. What do we do? Does anybody have? Yeah. The absolute toughest thing is change, because we don't change well. <laughs> we don't change easily. Mm -hmm. But change is going to be required to bring in the young families. You're not going to get them doing what we do now. And we're losing them. And interestingly, my experience, and I don't know if you, a lot of my peers are leaving, they're leaving the church, but they're not leaving the faith. That's what they say. Yeah. But I, they, 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 no, I don't know what's going to happen. Now, I, I feel like there, generations ago, people just kind of left the church and, you know, I, I really, I really do believe these are people of. A, a lot of them are people of. They they continue to have strong faith. But they don't feel like the church, as they see it, is what God intended. And, I. It's tough, because I. I don't think Eastside is perfect. <sighs> um. But I love you guys, <laughs> and like I, I just I can't imagine. Like I, I just don't see myself like just, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back and I'm gone. Like maybe that's my personality. I don't know, but so many people that I know and love have left Eastside. Some of them have found other churches. A lot of them are just sort of lost. And like I said, they're not, they, they don't, they believe in God. They, they believe they need Jesus. They read their Bibles. But they are struggling to find a community where they feel um, Yeah. And so I'm not here to tell you I've got the answer because I don't. But I'm here to talk about it. It's uncomfortable. And I can cause a whole bunch of problems and then leave. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, over the years, I've noticed that the churches of Christ have become an inward church. Mm -hmm. We preach to ourselves and not on the outside. 
years ago, we used to talk about what if everybody could bring one person to Christ a year? Mm-hmm. You know how fast the church would grow. And that shouldn't be unreasonable. But that's another subject that we don't teach. Mm-hmm. How do you talk to somebody about Christ? Mm-hmm. Of being inwards, being and next week, that's what we're going to talk about. I'm, I'm not going to get into it this week because we just don't have time. But that that is what we're going to talk about next week, is how do we actively, uh, well, to start with, how do we share our faith with, um, I, I would, it's not even a non-believer. Like I said, there are people out there, they are believers, but they don't have a Christian community that they feel welcome to be a part of. Um how do we reach those people? How do we people reach people who don't have faith? Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about next week. Um, and, um, you know, but other than that, um, I, I don't have, basically I'm just trying to rain on everyone's parade and then uh, get you guys thinking a little bit. And then maybe, maybe next week I'll have something that is a little bit more... Uh, <laughs> encouraging and helpful. So please, please don't use, like, you think, oh, I don't want to come back to this class because, no, next week we're going to talk about, I don't have the answers, but I, I have some tools that my African friends have been using very effectively, and I feel like they could work here too. Um, and, and, I, and I know some other, I, I know some Africans who have been coming to America and preaching this stuff in America. And it has been very, American churches and Christians have been very receptive to the Four Fields approach of evangelism and discipleship. It's all very biblical. It's all very, I didn't really get into biblical stuff today, where it's more math stuff today. Um, But we're going to get there a little bit next week. Oh, sorry. You, uh, it seems like we're talking two different things there. Uh-huh. We're talking about people leaving the church, but also not growing. Does the four fields kind of hit both aspects of that? Well, I think, um, so people, basically the, the, the brutal fact is that we are not growing. And that it's not going to take a number, any number of thousands of years for us to uh, to start growing if we keep doing what we're doing unless somehow the culture changes to be more like us but I just don't see that happening <laughs> um, so there, there I feel like a lot of we, we need to not only think in terms of reaching the unreached we need to think in terms of reaching the the lost sheep that they were part of the fold, but for whatever reason they've become uh, they're they're still out there. There's a lot of them. Well, during COVID, you know everything shut down, mm-hmm. and so many people um, found that Sunday mornings they had other things to do. Mm-hmm. And even though we live stream, we have people. I don't even know how many tuned into the live stream, and. Um, but that's their excuse, you know, well, you know, you, you're not wearing a mask or whatever mm-hmm. else reason. But they um, just want pajama church. Yeah, pajama church is a good one. Because, and but we don't know, I don't even know if there is a way to figure out how many people do watch online <clears throat> or whatever. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't either. But um, it's got to be so convenient to do you know, lay in bed and kind of watch Eddie, mm-hmm. or not. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, his his sermons are pretty good on online. Yeah. Like, you know, because that's the only way I can get, you know, that's the only way I can join you guys, which I do. I, I, I rarely do it live because it's right in the middle of, like, other things going on. That's the middle of my day or my evening. I was going to say, how many hours difference? How many hours difference? Seven? Yeah. Seven or eight. Seven or eight, depending on the time of the year. 
Yeah, we don't do daylight savings. So, yeah. The biggest thing I can say is that I've noticed that being someone new to Eastside that just stands out, even stands out in this room, is age. Mm -hmm. It's age. I mean, how many people do you see here? Families in their 20s, families in their 30s, even families in their 40s. Yeah. And Wednesday night is like even worse. <laughs> I noticed that. Personally, on the even uh, actually, I, I agree. Eddie is great online. That's why we're here. That's how we found Eastside. It is online. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I did notice when we looked at the crowd was, man, there's a lot of age. Where's, mm -hmm. where's the younger people? And it just stands out to me. I think he's making fun of us. <laughs> and I'm not far away either. But it is, oh, it is very obvious. Like when we talk to our boys who are in their 20s, and we say, hey, come join us, come join us. And they're just like, they don't see it mm -hmm. for them. Yeah. They don't see people that they can relate to because they're such this. So it, it just stands out to me. I don't know if that's yeah. an issue or not, but that's what I see. Yeah. Well, a lot of our young people, they, they look at church people and they say they're all hypocrites or two faced. Mm -hmm. And they think all the Christian people, they lost the light. We need to go to the world and show them the light and we don't do it so we come to church with one person but as soon as we hit the door we're a different person and they see it mm -hmm. and they're like how can i go to the church and that's how the young people they think how can i go go to the church when they're two different people and a whole generation grew up watching their parents do that too which i think that's part of the problem is if if you grew up and saw your, your parents were one way in church and a different way at home. It's, and not to say that if your children are no longer faithful that that was necessarily <laughs> what happened, but, but that, is, that is an issue, I think. Um, well, we do have these side, and I'm assuming it's some of the churches, but I have a gap between young married with children and then empty nesters. And we don't have very many, if any, of the young professionals who are single. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was single, I, when I went to church in Dallas, we had a singles program of over 400 singles. Wow. And yeah. And it's, it's hard. I was single for a long time. Like, um, and it's... I think because of my, uh, you know, I, people kind of put me in that missionary category even before I went on the mission field because I was very vocal about, you know, I'm going to Angola and, you know, I, I don't know, people, you know, because people always ask the missionaries, oh, you know, want to go to dinner with us or you know whatever but when you're just single Nathan like it's uh, I don't know it was it was a tough time like everyone's going and you know I I mean I know um, we've got some uh, very different ages of singles uh, that are part of single on Sundays that's is that that's still a thing yeah yeah uh, those ladies are so much fun I've gone to yeah yeah they're, they're a lot of fun and I just invite myself oh I'm going to they're you know they, they they're good cooks and you know. <laughs> yeah um, a lot of us here have seen the movie series The Chosen. Mm -hmm. It's uh, through three seasons, about 25 episodes so far. Yeah. Sure. And uh, I don't want to rest on myself. I'm very uh, impressed by it. Yeah. I know a lot of people, I, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't uh, been able to. It's been uh, produced in 30 languages. Mm -hmm. Someone told me it was self-titled in over a hundred languages. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. More 
copies of the DVD have been sold in Brazil than in the United States. Yeah, I know it's big in Brazil. And I'm thinking, as I see this, what if God is using something like this? And Matthew says the gospel will be preached in all the world, and then they have it. What mm-hmm. if God is using an instrument like that yeah. to reach the world? Mm-hmm. And why can't we be a part of that? Why can't we use uh, the technology we have? Uh, everybody's got their face on the phone or the TV. Mm-hmm. Um, worldwide. Yeah. I mean, Jewel Miller used film strips, and that was that was technology at the time. We kind of laugh at it now, but you know, that was uh, I, I just I've heard people talk about it how it was so cool that you know not everybody had a big screen TV in their house, you know, and and so it was like it was like a special thing, like somebody comes over and sets up this little machine and. You know, you clear off a spot on the wall and watch the Jewel Miller film strips, and like that was that was a special special thing, um, and and it somehow struck a nerve with the generation. Uh, I'll be glad to watch the pictures. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I I don't think that same model is going to work anymore. Not not here, um, but I think one of the key things is it's gonna have to be relational. Uh, Jewel Miller, uh, the the film strips, it was it was not just you know a traveling salesman necessarily, that it was people going into their neighbors' homes and sharing with with people that they knew, that they had relationships with. Um, World Bible School, the same thing. So for a lot of people, World Bible School turned into kind of like a pen pal sort of thing. And um, it was a long distance relationship, but it was still relationally based. Um, And I think anything, we can use technology, all kinds of technology, but if we take away the relational aspect, then I, I have trouble thinking that it's gonna, you know. So how do we use the chosen in a way that is, you know, maybe it's having. Oh, I remember, and maybe this is not a thing anymore. But I remember when Lost. Remember Lost, when that was, like people would have parties, they would get together and watch Lost, and you know. And and then it just like fell apart, and and I'm still disappointed with how it ended. Um, but uh, there are some groups that do mm-hmm. have chosen watches. Yeah, because they when they release the, the next. Do you even have a sh- a sweater? Yeah, she has that. And a shirt. Okay. So we've got a fan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I, I need to check it out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and that that's also neat because I know the people who develop they 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 encourage that sort of thing. It's um you know um they want it to be free. Yeah. Right. Popcorn night in the auditorium. Yeah. Yeah. You can do that. Yep. Popcorn. So now the team in Angola. Do you, I mean, do you see a big spread of difference age-wise? I mean, do you have a lot of, like, little kids? <laughs> okay, so in Angola, children are ignored until, um, basically until they're married. Um, That's why you're losing them. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and then there's this category of what they call jovens, young young people, um, and that's anyone from basically like high school until you're married. So you may be 40 years old if you're not married. You're still a, a, a teenager, basically. Um, and so, but they but they actually uh, the, the sad part is 
parents ignore their children until they get to that, like, basically youth group age. There's very little teaching. Children don't, they're not even encouraged to be a part of church. They play outside while the adults, you know. So do you have any role in changing that? I personally, uh, no, my teammate Katie is very involved in that. Because, I mean, you've got two young girls. Mm -hmm. I can't remember how old they are. But what kind of church are they getting tuned into, so to speak, if they're ignored and say, just go out and play and we'll pat you on the head? And... Yeah, they, they usually just play outside and get yelled at if they get too loud. Like So, so how does that... How does that teach them about Jesus? It doesn't. <laughs> Is that kind of what the conference might have been talking about? We, we did not address that issue with children. I would like, we're going to have another one in Mozambique in 2025, and I want that to be part of the, what we tackle at the next conference. So it, it's really cool. It's, it's a bilingual conference. It's English and Portuguese. So, like I said, we had people from 12 countries. Most of those were English-speaking countries. Uh, most of those were African countries. Um, and um, But everything was done in both English and Portuguese. Everything was translated. Our, our focus this time, uh, I think most of you are familiar with the Iron Rose Sisters ministry. I asked them to come and do a special program with the ladies. Um, in Portuguese. So um, LAMP International, my nonprofit organization, uh, we have helped Iron Rose to translate their material into Portuguese because I thought when I saw Michelle's stuff, I was like, we need this in Angola. And so, um, yeah, we had uh, two ladies from Iron Rose come and our teammate Jordan also worked with them, and it was amazing. One of the articles in here is specifically about that. Um, so I'm here for the next month. Um, I'm eager to get to know any of you that I don't know already, and for those of you that I know that I forgot that I know, I'm eager to try and remember. And But no, I'm, I'm here. And we're I'm, we're just eager to to get to meet with you guys. And like I said, next week will be a little bit more. I was just today is just sort of presenting the reason why we've got to talk about what we're going to talk about the next three weeks. So um, I think we're about out of time. But if you have any questions, I'll be around for a little while. And would you be willing to close us with a prayer? Gracious Lord, I thank you for the work that's going on throughout the world, Father, for the, the work that's going on in, in, in so many different places uh, that, that we don't even know about, but Father. Uh, there, there are people who have given their lives trying to bring disciples to you. Help us, Father, to, to gain that strength and gain that courage. Help us as we, we learn the, uh, some of the brutal facts that, of where we've fallen down. But, Father, help us and guide us in our, in our uh, relationships to other people so that your Son is on our lips, so that your Word is in our hearts. Father, I ask you to bless uh, the series of classes help us to be better equipped to, uh, to enlarge and grow your church. Bless our, our people, bless our missionaries, guide us all, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks a lot, everyone. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us.
And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.